Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. I think that all of the crazy we see on the news and that we see in the world, all the neurotic behavior, all of it is an expression of unresolved trauma. Perfect is the enemy of good. And this program, this societal program, it keeps people from pushing forward because they're trying to attain something that is unattainable. And just being okay with the journey and okay with the struggle and enjoying the struggle and knowing that fear and being scared is part of this, but pushing through that. It's about the fight with ourselves. It's about the getting up every day and looking ourselves in the mirror and being okay with what we see and pushing forward and approaching adversity with a smile and being able to deal with all that's thrown our way. The veterans are the light at the tip of the candle and that if they can achieve awareness and find peace and well-being, that they can teach us the realities and the, the horrors of war. So hopefully one day we won't have conflict anymore. Matthew Simpson humbly serves as the self-appointed civilian ambassador to our nation's veteran suicide tragedy and epidemic. He brings very diverse experiences to the table. Leadership in corporate America, free spirit world travels, extensive healing with psychedelics and plant medicines. He generously shares his transformation and awakening to spiritual principles in hopes of inspiring others to look within to find their truest purpose and calling. When Matt is not writing books, he's probably in the kitchen, cooking or in the library reading. As a self-proclaimed foodie and enthusiast of knowledge, especially books centered around flow states and optimal states of consciousness, Matt is also an aspiring stand-up comedian who swears that practicing discomfort is one of the most important skills for our modern world. Recently, Matt moved to Los Angeles, California to get his first book, Worth the Fight, off the ground and to deliver this vital message of hope and healing to the hands of our nation's stars and influencers. I just had an amazing interview with Matt Simpson. This was our second time on the podcast, and I just recognize such a solidarity with him and how we operate and what our mindset is like. And just talking to him both before and after, I just feel like I really found a brother in this fight towards purpose. Obviously, he's doing something very differently than I'm doing, but the ethos and the spirit with which he carries himself is really inspiring to me, and I see a lot of myself in it. And it makes me really giddy inside to imagine down the road as we go year 5, 10, 15, 20 in our purposes, how we can intersect and how we can manifest these amazing things in the world. He's someone that's truly grounded in his purpose, and I feel the same way about myself. And uh, there's a lot of um, big things that can come from that, a lot of collaboration and partnership opportunities. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. I know you'll enjoy this interview. He's got a really introspective mind. He's obviously done a lot of the inner work needed to truly know these things and express himself in this way. And I hope that some of these things really resonate with you and that you'll be able to unplug, go into monk mode, like he says, and find out your truths and put the foot on the gas and go for it. 
like he talks about. So there's an urgency for all of us to be living at our purpose. And um, there's so much richness of life when you do that. And uh, Matt gets it. I'm excited for you to, to be one step closer to getting it for yourself after this interview. Thank you for listening to this wonderful interview with today's guest, today's person of purpose, Matt Simpson. Hey, Matt. Good to see you today. Happy to have you back for a second time on the podcast. Um, I don't know if people listened at the beginning. I was a smaller project then, but you were doing a lot of very interesting work that not too many people are very familiar with, but they need to be, and they're about to be familiar with it. I'm excited for you to share your journey and how you've uh, you started this new chapter in your life that feels so purposeful, and you got a book out and, and all of these things. So thank you so much for joining us to share your story today. For sure, for sure. Tanner, thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited to uh, be back on your podcast and to have this opportunity to uh, reconnect with you and to get you and your listeners updated with some of the new doings in my life and some vitally important work that should be shared. Good. So you wrote a book. I remember, I think I messaged you just checking in, like, how are you doing? I think like six, seven months ago. And I get this like auto reply that was like, I'm writing a book right now. I'm unavailable to talk to anyone. And I was like, wow, he's really going all in at this, like total immersion through the writing process. Yeah. And then I started to think like why you might be doing that is like, it makes so much sense with how you talk about your flow states and things of that nature. So why did you write the book this way? And why did you write the book in the first place? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, you just reminded me of the, the monk mode out of office email that I put up. That was fun. That was when I was really digging in and trusting in a lot of the science in regards to flow and the importance of really tuning out all outside distractions. But yeah, I wrote the book. The book is called Worth the Fight, Acting for a Better World, A Guide to Spirituality, Psychedelic Medicines, and Overcoming Trauma. I wrote this book. It's my story. It's a memoir. I share my story to the degree to which my story leverages a larger narrative about what is possible on an individual and a collective level if we embrace the more sane way of looking at mental health. Like we talked a lot about in the first podcast, you know, I've been advocating for our United States war veterans, helping them get psychedelic therapy. We have 22 United States veterans that die by their own hand each day. That number is likely far greater. That doesn't include those that are stuck in self-abuse, those that are homeless. Our, our veterans are in the midst of a mental health crisis, and there are psychedelic medicines that really work. So that was really why I felt it a moral duty and obligation to get this book done and get it done correctly. And I wrote this book with the intention of, of being able to spread, you know, so we can raise this money and create the awareness for our warriors that, again, are dropping like flies to suicide. And, you know, something has to be done. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I want to dive, like, deeply into the content of the book. But before we do that, I wanted to talk more about this concept of flow states. Can you explain a little bit more about what you went through in the writing process and the, a bit of the science behind that that explains why that was the approach you took to writing? Sure thing, sure thing. So, um, you know, one of the most important books on my journey or my path has been Stealing Fire. It's a book that was written by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel. And the first time I heard these guys talking, I remember I heard them on the James Altucher podcast. And I was like, whatever it is, these guys have it, you know? And I couldn't let that go. And this book really, really spoke to me. It helped me to understand, ironically, without even mentioning the word ayahuasca in their book, it helped me understand the healing experiences I was having 
with this plant medicine from Central and South America. And because they're talking about the neurochemistry of peak performance and flow states. Yeah, it was really, really profound to, I've listened to the book over 10 times in the last two and a half years. And it's just been one of those that I continually go back to the audiobook. And I had an opportunity in April of 2018 to go to a Flow for Writers workshop where Stephen Kotler, the author of the book, or one of the co-authors, was, he had a, a retreat up in San Francisco. And it was a two-day intensive retreat where we really, or workshop, where we really dove in to the science behind Flow and what it takes to be a writer. And, you know, I got all of his, his secrets and his tips for this is a guy that I think he has four New York Times bestsellers. He's been nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. He's just doing incredible work. And the idea of flow was once thought that it was something that the people were just gifted with. And, but the research suggests and shows that it's not something we're gifted with. It's something we train, it's something that we can develop and we can cultivate in our lives. So I really took the challenge to do the deep work and to shut out the outside world, to get this book done properly and found, you know, uh, to answer your question, really long-winded answer to your question. You know, it took many weeks of kind of discomfort of showing up to the computer every single day and working and pounding out words. And some days were better than others, but even on the really crappy days, still showing up. And, you know, a couple months into the process, I was like, I'm doing it. Like, this is happening. And uh, yeah, that's been my flow journey. And naturally, it's something that I've been, you know, nearly obsessed with since is like, how does this happen? And how do I train more of this? How do I develop? How do I bring more flow into my life? Uh, exciting things about flow research is people in flow, there's creativity spikes of 400 to 700% higher in flow. There's, you know, there's a McKinsey study where executives in flow are 500% more productive while in flow. There was a DARPA study that uh, snipers in flow learned 430% faster in flow. And these are all numbers, you know, from stealing fire. Those are incredibly high numbers and grounding those numbers and bringing them into our lives. We can do some special things quickly. And, you know, I'm a big believer that flow and this flow research is going to be what is setting the table for people to step up and solve some of the creative challenges that we have as a people right now. So how did your flow journey as writing this book, can you maybe remember a creative breakthrough you had when your creativity was spiking and you had a new epiphany or your soul just spoke through what you were doing? How can you make that grounded and real for a listener? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And to really tie in everything I've been talking about for the last you know, five to eight minutes or so, I first found flow with ayahuasca, psilocybin. And I used that flow to heal my near broken heart and my garbled up nervous system. I had, you know, childhood sexual trauma in my early years of development and, you know, struggling with alcohol, struggling with just struggling to find happiness and well-being in our world. You know, uh, being a successful businessman who was following all the rules, but, you know, the more I attained, the more miserable I was becoming. And, you know, so I sought out these medicines to really heal. And I'd started my healing journey many years back in meditation and yoga. And I had no idea that there was so much more to do, so much more clearing out old emotions. And so, yeah, you know, having those original experiences with these plant medicines and then 
becoming to understand those experiences with this flow process. Right. Never really any, uh, with the writing, it was, it was more of a gradual process. It was like, uh, I'm doing it. You know, when you're months into something and it's like, whoa, I'm not struggling anymore. I'm not in writer's block or I'm not worried about that thing or this thing and finding it deep. Naturally, this book is, I get very vulnerable and gut-wrenching be vulnerable at, at times in an effort to, you know, I'm talking about some really deep things and, um, you know, so sharing and being raw and real. And I think time that people, we need that. We need that spirit right now because a lot of people are struggling and a lot of people are hurting. Got numbers off the charts when it comes to addiction and depression, PTSD. And I think that our collective mental health is potentially endangering our democracy. You know, when we have a disproportionate amount of people that are struggling to speak their truth, you know, people sit in the sidelines and just watch others kind of go by and do whatever. Yeah, I totally agree with that. The way that you explained this mental health phenomenon we're in right now, where we're running this giant experiment of pharmaceuticals and always on stimulation, hyper productivity. It does not make sense. Now you and I have studied uh, some of these more Eastern philosophies on living within our nature and things like that. I too am very concerned about that. It's extraordinary that you went and had this like big experience through ayahuasca and I still haven't had that. And I know that I want that and I will have that and the attention will be right and the medicine will come into my life at the right time. And um, when the student is ready, the teacher of here sort of thing. Great outlook. Uh, so Absolutely. I'm wondering why you had this extremely good, good is an understatement, powerful life-changing experience internally through this medicine. And you were called into a certain duty or purpose afterwards. Why did you decide that your medium needed to be a book? Why not, you know, all these other, you could have started another business or nonprofit or teaching platforms or, you know, lots of things. Well, why were you compelled to write a book? I guess it was the kind of the commitment to living a happy, prosperous, fulfilled life. And the idea that in order to put something out of this magnitude for me, it was important to tell to full story. The book is a tool. It's a, you know, a technology and a medium in which we share information. And, you know, I got a 308 page book that takes about nine hours to read or nine hours to listen to on an audiobook that I'm going to be putting together shortly. And it just, that felt right. You know, I've done a lot of posting on social media and Facebook lives and all that jazz and and I enjoy that stuff too, but yeah, the book just, it felt right. It felt like this was the way to put this message of hope and healing out to the world. And this is the way that it will spread. And, you know, as opposed to some of the other mediums that I, I thought about. And I think that there's an element of seriousness too, that this portrays to the world of like, this dude just took a year and a half of his life to sit down and write the freaking book, you know, and, and he actually went in monk mode where he would, the summer of 2018, yeah, having my phone on airplane mode for 16 to 18 hours a day so I could get this work done properly. Oh, that's a powerful experience, airplane mode for 16 hours a day. Yeah, I mean, I fell in love with writing when I was in Thailand and I was by myself and I didn't have to put my phone in airplane mode because everyone was in my life in the Western world was sleeping. But I would go and like write for six hours straight at like a coffee shop in the mountains. I took my motorbike too and I was like, what am I going to write today? I'm here to write. And then it would just come out and I would be like, whoa, like I never knew that that truth about who I am existed or there's a false narrative here that I've been living and I don't have to live that anymore now that I'm conscious of it. Or like this is some wisdom that I've been able to garner this week 
that I was like stuck with me. I didn't have to like write it in like an Evernote or whatever. It's just in there, programmed into my DNA now. I'm going to live it out as if it's true. How did you experience like internal breakthroughs in your writing process? A lot of was the same, you know, of just digging at this every single day, trying to cultivate peace, trying to block out the outside world, uh, you know, taking time each morning for spiritual practices. You know, I start the day with meditation and breath work and some sort of movement and very similar to your, you know, I'd watched your post on Facebook and, you know, talking about your early morning routine. And I love, you know, we listen to all these podcasters and it's a big thing that people are talking about. It's like, what do you do to own the day, to start the day, you know, and Mm -hmm. and own the day by starting to, you know, Tony Robbins, he talks about, you know, the priming that, you know, the power hour and everybody's got, you know, a way and, and fully committing to that and trusting that process above all else. And then the insights just started stacking up on top of each other. It's the more I bought into this looking within process, the more the insights would come. And the more I would surrender, the more the insights would come. And I think it all comes down to trusting. I think that that we're all omnipresent people that have this access to this incredible reservoir of knowledge. And it's about getting peaceful and getting still so we can tap into that. And so that's been kind of the inside out approach that I've, it's my ride or die strategy that I've implemented about five years ago after my first experience with ayahuasca was very clear, like, whoa, like, you know, I saw through my own eyes in a visionary experience, it's a visionary medicine. I saw the best version of myself, but then it was like, and here's what you have to do to create that. And it's been a long road of putting in a lot of work and fully committing to being the best person that I can possibly be. And most importantly, finding so much, you know, service has been been such, I, I, I cannot put into words how fulfilling this work has been. And, you know, having a servant's heart and focusing my life around service first and trusting that everything that I would ever need or want would come my way as a result of that. And I think we need that. And I think we need that spirit in this world right now. A lot of people are struggling and a lot of people are hurting. And, you know, Napoleon Hill has been a big, I don't know if you know the teachings of Napoleon Hill, but. Think and Grow Rich has yeah, been a big book for me. The best, you know, and start where you stand. And if you're hurting, like, find a way to help someone else who's worse off than you. And that will remedy your current situation. And it's so true. And we get lost in information overload. And I think a lot of us are just, you know, we're just stuck. And really blame people because it's you know i think our evolutionary impulses are hijacked by all this information coming our way and we're ill-prepared it took some big action for you to be in these shoes right now not only to put your phone in airplane mode obviously that's big action but way before that you had a business you were living in chicago you were seemingly making a lot of money can you like remind listeners maybe, or if it's their first time meeting you, quickly summarize kind of where your headspace and heart space was five, six years ago and how it got to where it is now? Yeah, yeah. You know, I sold my business on October 16, 2014. That was my 35th birthday. And um, it was something that I'd worked, I think, seven years. SDS was a strategic document solutions we found a competitor to come in and buy us and it was supposed to be this unbelievable joyous occasion. And the whole time, you know, even out that night, we were supposed to be celebrating with friends and all I could think about was the path that I'm on right now. And I couldn't let it go. 
And two months later, I was in Costa Rica and had my first experience with ayahuasca and you know, deep healing experience. And I took a year to really clean myself up in terms of, you know, making right a lot of the mess that I created in terms of my interpersonal relationships. And, you know, I ended up traveling with a backpack for 18 months afterwards. I spent a year in corporate America, really untangled the mess that I was in. And, you know, I was really scared about this travel journey to fully cut ties and to travel and roam freely in a truth-seeking journey. You know, I had to make sure that that was set up in a manner where I felt safe doing that. And a big part of the journey was, you know, to figure out where I can best fit in for the next 50 to 60 years. And I really had that epiphany month 17 of the 18 month travel journey with the veteran work. But pre, uh, you know, the old Matt, you know, big drinker and just disconnected. I was really disconnected. You know, I had everything that one would want in life, but I was still miserable. And I was completely unappreciative of all the blessings that I had in my life. And I don't think I could have been appreciative or grateful for the blessings that I had in my life because of the pain that I had in my nervous system and the pain that I had in my heart. And I think that people that store trauma and have unresolved trauma, they can't connect authentically. Mm -hmm. And that's the one reason why we're here on this physical plane is to have authentic connection. Oh, yeah. So what is it about the plant medicine that helps you to connect with yourself and then connect with others? must be a huge experience. You know, you're looking deeply internally at things you've maybe never examined or really comfortably been able to sit with and then even after you have that i know when i almost like died on the mountain i didn't want to tell people about it for a couple of months because i was still processing it wow what does this mean for me now that i know these things so like how have you been able to also integrate those changes into the world and be transparent and now who matt 2.0 is yeah well the medicine the first weekend i had a retreat down in costa rica at this place called florestral soul circle, you know, I had my first religious experience that I ever had in my life. And it was, you know, William James, the father of modern psychology, he wrote the varieties of a religious experience. And he defines religious experience with four characteristics, ineffability, inability to put it into even words and noetic quality. There's just this feeling of knowing afterwards. Like you've, you know, Michael Pollan says that there's some higher, greater truth that's been revealed to you. And those were the two qualities that stood out the most for me. And those were enough that from that point forward, I just didn't see the value in consciously abusing my body anymore with drugs and alcohol. And, you know, I used to be a big drinker and I've cut that probably, I probably drink 10% of what I used to, you know, I have a couple beers, you know, a couple glasses of wine. I'm such a cheap date now. I have one glass of wine. I'm getting all smiley and huggy, you know, and uh, same with me. Same with me. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I mean, it used to be something where it would be a, a bottle or two of, of wine. And but now it's, you know, everything's conscious. And that's how the experience really shifted and changed me. And then, you know, like I said, getting to work and creating Matt 2.0 by committing fully to the daily practice and my meditation and my yoga and being a good person and eating healthy and making conscious decisions, having those tough conversations when they arise, knowing when to speak up and knowing when to, you know, zip my mouth, loose lips, sink ships and exercise patience. Yeah. And I'm trying to think about like, obviously you have your own unique journey. It's very unique, of course. And I'm trying to like, I host a podcast, People of Purpose, 
And I try to find universal principles about how people can tap into their purpose and then like put the foot on the gas and just go for it. And you're someone that has uniquely been able to do that. I think a lot of people maybe accomplish parts of the first step, which is tap into that sense of purpose, but it's in an environment that is outside of their normal reality. And then when they come back in, I find or I'm hearing that it's hard to integrate that and to be living in that full 2.0 version of yourself. What advice do you have for people that have received glimpses at their purpose to be able to go for it and not have to sacrifice you know, where they live now and maybe what job they have right now and what family structure they have? Like, How can they integrate it in a way that's like mindful and flows with, you know, it's not just like a starkly different experience when they come back and they're back in their old box. How do you integrate it? Totally. Yeah. And that's one of the challenges of these medicines or peak experiences in general. And there's so many different ways that people have peak experiences and mm-hmm. have religious experiences and medicines are just one. But the idea of coming back down and how do you ground these insights? You know, Jack Cornfield wrote the book after the ecstasy to laundry is like, you know, we just had this experience and now I got to do the freaking laundry, you know, but it's something that we have to, you know, life goes on and I guess what comes to mind for me is there was some really powerful book called The Art of Loving that really shifted and changed my life. I write about that in chapter four of my book, Worth the Fight. And Eric Fromm is largely considered one of the greatest thinkers, philosophers, activists of the 20th century. And he wrote, for the conditions of love to flourish, or for love to flourish, these three conditions must be present. Concentration, patience, and discipline. And, you know, when we fully commit to those three, and that was really my plan, from that position, you can cultivate the love and you can cultivate the truth. You could see things from the inside out way. And that's the way in terms of having a peak experience and then going back to the environment in which you were in before. A lot of times that prior environment doesn't serve you anymore. And a lot of that behavior doesn't serve you. So for me, you know, I had to let go of some friends and I had to create some distance. I had to cultivate healthy boundaries so I could, you know, be real with people while still honoring myself. And, you know, it takes a lot of work, but we're social creatures and it's so important for us to have strong social networks and it's so worth it, you know, mm-hmm. to do that and to put in that time. And I found that like, geez, when I'm real with people, you get that realness, you get that realness right back. And the relationships that I do have right now in my life are so much deeper because, you know, whether people agree with me or not, they know that I'm telling them straight and I'm being real with them, you know? So, you know, a lot of times like my family didn't really understand, you know, it's like, Matt just, you know, went down to Costa Rica, Central and South America. Now he's talking about psychedelics and it's not understanding that fully and that's okay. But still, you know, having compassion for my family that like, geez, you know, I, I say affectionately in my book, like I took my life in a deck of cards, I threw it into a fan on a high setting and yeah, the cards are going to play out everywhere. That was a game we played in my youth was 52 card pickup, you know? And yeah, in a lot of respects, that's how these experiences can happen when people are are healing and uh, especially with these psychedelic medicines, they can be disruptive. When we're talking about those crazy levels of augmented creativity, learning and productivity, like, yeah, there's going to be some massive changes, you know, but in my life, you know, the massive changes were warranted. They were long overdue. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like how you put that.
Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from living at your purpose? I know a bad accident, breakups, and head injuries have plagued my path of purpose. The good news is that People of Purpose has now partnered with BetterHelp, an online counseling platform that will assess your needs from exactly where you are and match you with your very own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. I know that when we are purposefully and passionately pursuing our visions, it can be so hard to take the big action you need for yourself. That's why I love BetterHelp. BetterHelp is available worldwide from the comfort and ease of your smartphone. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, call, or video chat as often as you need. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses without needing to be in one single city or drive and sit in an uncomfortable waiting room just to have a 30-minute conversation. These conversations have the power to literally change your life. We need to make sure we're having them. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. For me, the sign-up process was so thorough and personalized to exactly what I needed. Within 15 minutes, I was done, and the very next day, I was paired with a counselor with the pedigree to help me think through exactly the questions I have at this stage in my life. Since I've met my premarital Christian counselor, Colleen, I've had enormous insights on where and how to create better boundaries, and even had a session with my fiance while she's in Thailand and I'm in California. It's amazing how powerful and accessible counseling is today with the power of the internet. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Whether you need professional coaching for your business, help overcoming a trauma, or just need a thought partner who would walk through a rocky part of a road with you, BetterHelp wants to help you start living a happier life today. People of Purpose listeners get 10% off your first month. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash people of purpose. That's betterhelp.com forward slash people of purpose and join the over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I want to know what you've learned about trauma in this experience, your own trauma and then working with these veterans. What truths about trauma stick with you now that you maybe didn't have before? I love that question. You know, I think that all of the crazy we see on the news and that we see in the world, all the neurotic behavior, all of it is an expression of unresolved trauma. You know, whether you were held too little or held too much, or you had a creepy uncle and, you know, there's this really insanely high disproportionate amount of people here in the West and, and it, just our global family in general, one in five of us are subjected to childhood sexual trauma in the early years of childhood development. That is crazy. Um, and the really fascinating thing, and this is a conversation that I've been having here with Worth the Fight that, that, we've, that I found with this work, and this was something that really drew me in when I originally was contemplating on how I could be of service to this mission of hope and healing for our war veterans was to find out that at the time back in 2016 coming on board with that they had had upwards of 150 veterans that had been through their program and in 90 percent of these cases it wasn't the arm that was missing it wasn't the foot that was blown off it wasn't the brigade of people that people saw dying or or someone it wasn't somebody losing a close friend in service it was time and time again the childhood sexual trauma 
that was at root that appears to be driving our soldiers to go to war in the first place. Wow. Yes, yes. Uh, Sebastian Younger, the, the foremost expert on PTSD, homecoming, and belonging. He wrote the book Tribe. His research shows that the Iraq and Afghanistan veterans, the modern-day veterans, uh, were two times more likely to be subjected to childhood sexual trauma uh, or to report childhood sexual trauma in the early years of development than those that fought at random in Vietnam. So, um, and mind you, I said report. Anybody that knows anything about sexual trauma, this, this shit is really tough to talk about, you know, and people would rather take this to the grave and die. And that's why these suicide numbers are so, so unbelievably high. And that people would rather kill themselves than utter these words and to share this and unburden them, themselves of, of holding and carrying that really immense mm. trauma, which is thought energy. And yeah, so to answer your question, you know, um, I believe, and the research seems to suggest, the trauma that we see in our culture that is perpetuated by the church is perpetuating war. I know that's a bold statement, but yeah, I believe that war is, the church is perpetuating war. You know, yeah. I know. Could you unpack that more? What do you mean by that? Yeah, for, I know from somebody who, although I didn't serve, but somebody who had, had this, this childhood sexual trauma, like I couldn't connect authentically with intimate partners and with my family members and with people, you know, friends and family, I couldn't connect on that deep level. And like I said before, like that is the one reason why we are here. And so time and time again, our war veterans, they can't connect because they have this garbled up nervous system and this, this trauma. So they go to war to connect and boy, oh boy, they connect when they're there. I mean, war is very primal, very tribal, very carnal. And the brotherhood and the sisterhood that's created in war is profound. But when they come back home, often, many of them didn't have the resiliency skills to begin with. They didn't have the support groups of uh, healthy familial relations. So, you know, and they all have guns and many of them are given these pharmaceuticals that have the bottles with skulls and crossbones on them. So I should be, be surprised that we have 22 veterans that die by their own hand each day. And, and like that number is likely far greater. Right. And then how does the plant medicines uniquely offer a solution that we're not offering in more mainstream ways? Well, it's powerful medicine. You know, ayahuasca is, uh, I liken it to Mother Nature's truth serum. And the Western model right now, everything serves on the surface. And, you know, ayahuasca or psilocybin, magic mushrooms, you know, they're having incredible research is being done right now at Johns Hopkins and NYU and Imperial College of London and MDMA, MDMA Club Drug Ecstasies in phase three clinical trials with our federal government, MDMA assisted therapy, uh, which is likely to be a legal medicine in 2020 or 2021. And for the sake of where this movement is heading, we'll, we'll stick with MDMA. And somebody with chronic PTSD can take this pill. They sit with their therapist, a male and a female therapist. They sit on a couch. They listen to some Enya. They cry their eyes out. They feel that thing, you know, that they've been ignoring or pushing down. The MDMA reduces their fear response so they can go to that place. They can go within and they can go to that traumatic memory without being scared of it. And during the therapy, they reprocess, they reconsolidate that traumatic memory to a place where, you know, once the emotions felt, essentially they re-experience that traumatic memory in a safe place, release the emotional charge of it, cry the tears, 
screen the screens, whatever it may be, they let go of whatever that long overdue traumatic memory is. They dry their eyes, you know, after they've done crying their tears, and then they go on with their lives. The protocol calls for one to three therapeutic sessions, and then people are done taking pills forever. And the research is showing phase two trials showed that two-thirds of those that had chronic PTSD, they were working with the most challenging cases imaginable. Chronic PTSD for an average of 17 years that these patients had, and two-thirds of them a year later had no PTSD symptoms. And three and a half years later, that number went from 67%, I think, to 71%. So the, the data seems to suggest, and I have numerous anecdotal studies, that this psychedelic healing, it starts a healing process in motion where people start to gather ways where they, they can live healthier lives and right. they can manage and deal with life and stress and the human condition. Cause we still can't escape the human condition. It's still like we have to live. Yeah. I totally believe that. And that is like when you boil down like what medicine's purpose is, it's to get out of the way. You take this hammer, you make the big change that you need to make. And then you become non-reliant on that medicine so that you can go and integrate some of those insights that you've had and pair it with, you know, healthier lifestyle choices and be off of medicine. And totally. the business model of our medicine system right now is totally not that. It's like stay hooked, addicted, dependent forever. And we can change the prices whenever we want. And we're only treating at a symptomatic level. And by the way, there's going to be a major side effect to this. Like, I'm so excited to see a new generation of a new paradigm on medicine and things like this are going to lead the way. And I'm sure there's a lot of other you know, things that will take shape over the course of MDMA becoming legalized. But I totally like really like this new paradigm shift. And then also as someone that I've done mushrooms and I've done MDMA, I found it to be incredibly beneficial to have somebody I trusted and loved next to me to unpack some of the things I was feeling and thinking. And then I was able to also witness some of the people around me not be comfortable with what they were going through. And then to be that person that was like a rock to them. It's like, I love that whole approach with a therapist. Like that, that part is, is not to be underscored. Doing these things alone or in bad environments can be, I think can be pretty harsh, pretty harsh on yourself and actually have pretty bad consequences. What are your thoughts around on all of that. Uh, totally agreed. You know, I think you're spot on. And, you know, the shifting out of the pill a day model, you know, obviously, you know, Big Pharma has their interests and they have their, you know, Prozac and Paxil. You know, while they do work for some people, there's really harsh side effects and these pills are addictive and they, they have to take them, you know, day by day. And it'll be fascinating to see how this unfolds. Uh, MAPS, again, is poised to really shake up this model you know, to find a way to make this therapy accessible to people. And psilocybin is following right behind MAPS. It's also been labeled. Both MDMA-assisted therapy and psilocybin-assisted therapy have been given breakthrough status by FDA, So, uh, which means that the Federal Drug Administration is helping to facilitate and move these through an expedited basis mm -hmm. and realize that, hey, I mean, we have 70,000 people that die every single year to the opioid crisis. Right. And, um, this fentanyl thing is no joke at all. I mean, people are... Oh, no. And, um, you know, I've been running into people that know people that have, have died within the last year of, you know, I keep hearing time and time again, 
that, yeah, they took something that was laced with, with fentanyl. And it's like, oh, you know? So our government, the DEA, the FDA, they realize that we have a mental health crisis. And, you know, I think we have a moral duty and obligation to push forward and see where the science takes us. Right. There's been you know, incredible work with Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. I was about to mention that. I've been, yeah, that book was incredible. I read that about a year ago and was like, wow, like how he talked about his, like his dad's death and like his dad having in one of these ecstatic experiences before he died and being able to like share that, that moment with him and, and see his dad come to terms with his life and eventually die peacefully. He was just like, this writer is like, really putting his himself out there he's being vulnerable about his own experience with these things and he even talks about how he was inundated with the ideas of these being like you know sinful things that are part of this counterculture that that you should not be a part of and they'll take you down a rabbit hole of like terrible things and there seems to be like a renaissance going on right now yeah there's a renaissance for sure and you know rick doblin who's the uh, Rick Doblin PhD, who's pushing forward, he's the executive director for MAPS, and he's pushing forward MDMA-assisted therapy. And he, he was quoted as saying, we're not the counterculture, we are the culture. And you now with Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan and Aubrey Marcus and all of these big players that are really you know, out on a limb and sharing their personal experiences, and we're shifting, and then you have the flow science too. We're really shifting and retelling the story about what these medicines are. And in the 60s and 70s, this happened so fast. People didn't know what the heck was going on. Michael Pollan talks about that in his book, How to Change Your Mind, about the cultural container. There wasn't the cultural container in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, Ram Das, one of the thought leaders of, of that time, you know, he, I watched a really profound YouTube video of him and, and Terrence McKenna, another thought leader of that time. And this was in the 90s, and they're rehashing what went wrong in the 60s and 70s. And they had said that it was idealism and a sense of lurking righteousness that was the problem, is that people had forgot their what and whys for engaging these medicines. And they wanted to drop out of society, and they didn't want to participate. And I think that, you know, Jamie Wheel, the author of Stealing Fire, you know, he writes or he talks about in his podcast, you know, we're not in a position right now to make the same mistakes that we made in the 60s and 70s. I'm a big believer. Yeah, we're definitely not. We have a freaking hole in the roof. You know, we're all on the clock and it's go time. It's game time. And yeah, so remembering our what and whys for engaging these medicines and always erring towards the side of of serving others. And I think the model is is to help other people work through the same challenges that you've worked through. You said in your psilocybin or MDMA experience, you know, the joy that you felt and, and holding that same space for someone else who was in that position to give that love and to help someone through and to pay that forward, really. And is this how we turn this, this fear train around? You know, it's a potential solution. Right. And then also I watched your speech. And one thing that I really liked was this idea of exponential thinking. You essentially talk about how we're taught to think linearly, but now we have technologies in place that allow us to create exponential progress. Where do you see exponential thinking taking us in regards to these plant-based medicines? Oh, man. You know, it's really difficult to quantify. You know, like I say in that talk, you know, we take 30 linear steps, we're going to get to the three corner. We can do 30 linear steps. We take 30 exponential steps. We're around planet Earth, I think, 26 times. Like, whoa. And so exponentials are really tough to quantify. I believe psychedelics and flow and meditation are exponential technologies. And 
all of us have these smartphones. I mean, the science of technology is doubling every 18 months, Moore's Law. Some of that's doubling even faster. We're evolving with these smart devices. And so we're growing. And if these things are exponentially growing and we have access to these medicines and these ancient technologies of meditation and this flow science, you know, I think that what comes to mind for me is we don't really have a clue as to what we are as human beings or what we're capable of. So, you know, and I talk about that in the talk, the really exciting thing is, you know, it's not about me. It's not about you, Tanner. It's not about people on this path. It's about those that are to come on this path. Right. Because we're doing it, we're clearing the way with a lot of these bullshit incorporated limiting beliefs. And science is showing time and time again that, that a lot of our thinking and a lot of our drug laws are just erroneous, you know? So, you know, again, there's a call for patience and there's a call for peace and forgiveness and understanding and compassion and serving others. I think that that's the model. And yeah, I think that this leads ultimately to a peaceful planet in the next generation or two. I really do. And uh, I know that's a bold, bold thing to say when you look at our world and you turn the TV on for a little bit, but I do, I feel that intuitively. I feel that strongly. And, you know, I think we'll find a way to make this human experiment work and uh, bring our global family together and we'll, we'll see a peaceful planet and then we'll start picking fights in outer space with other, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So you talk about how there's a hole in the roof and we are all on the clock to get that thing fixed. Um, That to me is essentially you're saying I have found the purpose. My calling has an urgency to use my gifts towards and my insights or my life experiences towards bettering. Now I need to go all in. What kind of sacrifices have you had to make and how do you recommend people make sacrifices in their life towards their purpose um, when they find that like one unique calling they have? You know, uh, Jason Mraz line comes to, comes to mind right now. Give as much as you can, nothing more, nothing less, you know, and we have to be safe and sustainable in terms of uh, not overextending ourselves as well. And, you know, finding that balance. I think the balance is indeed the holy grail. and know, uh, balancing, you know, living a healthy and happy and fulfilled life with your purpose and calling. And uh, ideally, you know, making all that one and the same Mm -hmm. and eventually finding your calling or your purpose where work doesn't feel like work and everything you do pushes forward or pushes you closer to your dreams, to your goals and aspirations. Got it. Yeah, I love that. And I also like really think that listening to podcasts is another way to stay fed and stay hungry. Like I've been listening to Aubrey Marcus's podcast recently. And, oh, good. Uh, you read his book? I have not yet. No. Audiobook. Totally, highly recommended. I'm listening to it for this second time right now. And it's just loaded with health and ways to level up. And this guy is becoming a big figure like quickly. I think we've tuned into something pretty early on in his journey. I think he's going to big places. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of following in the Tim Ferriss kind of footsteps, but he's making his own lane. I really like it. And he talks with a lot of these people. I would recommend that as a place to go if they want to learn more about flow sciences and plant medicine experiences. And he does a lot of that himself. He's made that a big part of his journey. Absolutely. Yeah. He's an incredible resource for people all things ayahuasca, all things peak performance, all things for optimized human performance, optimized human health. Right. Really fascinating. And this guy is dialed in and he gets the science as well as anybody that I've ever come across. And um, again, my mind is blowing with, uh, you know, uh, 
listening to his audiobook right now. Second time I read his book last year and I'm kind of making a, a circle through and it's in his voice. So I always love a, a good audiobook that's in the author's voice. And yeah. Just like an extra oomph. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Hey guys, this is your People of Purpose podcast host, Tanner Badgley. Do you want to get a short email from me? Would you find value in receiving a very short email every other weekend that personalizes your path of purpose? The POP newsletter, because people of purpose, is a very short email where I share with you the most interesting things I've recently discovered, have been thinking about, or implementing into my life each week to more personally and purposefully pursue my purpose. It will include a short update on how my podcast is helping me grow into my purpose, a quote that's been on my mind from a purposeful resource such as a podcast, book, video, or mentor, as well as a nugget of advice from my experience on how to better align and optimize your life for your purpose. And finally, I'll try to share inspiration with you on how one of our listeners is benefiting from people of purpose. So please take a small step of action right now by sending a quick email to peopleofpurposepodcast at gmail.com. You don't even need to write a message. Just include in the subject header, People of Purpose Newsletter, and you'll receive the very next one. Here's to becoming People of Purpose. So obviously this is a very esoteric conversation or dialogue. It's becoming more towards the center, but it's still esoteric in a sense. And people like Aubrey Marcus and, and others are having some successes at entering into spaces and commanding you know, a room with their voice. And what challenges have you had in sharing this message with the world? Uh, and how have you overcome those challenges? Yeah, you know, it's patience, I think, has been the biggest thing. And just trusting in this process of getting this message of hope and healing out and trusting that the world is ready to hear. Well, you know what I have to say in, in terms of this work and in terms of the veteran work, you know, it's taken a lot of, a lot of faith of uh, moving forward as if, you know, and that's been kind of a motto or mantra for me is, is move forward as if, as if everything will fall into place. Mm-hmm. And often that's been the case. You know, I haven't really run into much resistance and, you know, it's just keep moving forward, keep walking this path of integrity mm-hmm. and keep sharing and keep doing this from the heart space and everything will play out as it will, right. you know. I love what you said about as if. I think that's a very Napoleon Hill kind of philosophy as well. Like move forward as if inevitably your successes that you've always dreamed of and believe deep inside are coming and are there. I've definitely adopted that approach recently to saying yes to setbacks related to my now fiance, but then girlfriend being able to come visit me in the U.S. and visit my family. Got denied twice. Now I've said, let's go for it. If we commit to each other, this process is going to play out. And um, got offered a, a job next year as a teacher after finishing my master's program and consulted with a lot of married people. And they're like, if you really want to have that a kind of marriage and partnership that like, you know, you're born in your DNA wanting like I am, you need to go and be with her. So like now I'm going to Thailand and I'm restructuring my life around going for the gold. And uh, I wake up happy and excited every day to be doing that. And same with my podcast. Like I have a team in place and I did that so that the podcast would not die while I was in my master's program. And now that I've come out of it and I have more time for it, it is thriving and growing. We have a really big sponsorship now that just came out with an online counseling platform called BetterHelp that I'm really excited about. And I've been going through it myself 
We've actually been able to do premarital counseling through this app while she's in Thailand and I'm here and the counselor's in Kentucky. And it's just like incredible how things come into your life as you say yes to the life that you desire. And I just want to like really underscore that like people like you and, and what I'm doing, like we don't sell ourselves short. We say that this is our purpose and our calling and we're going to go for it as if our successes are coming. And successes come in a lot of different tastes and flavors and varieties and they come daily and minutely. And it's important, I think, to tap into those successes and feel those blessings on a daily basis and to wake up excited about capturing life today. And now I'm surrounded around people that do that. So it's, it's getting harder for me, ironically, to stay in touch with like the zeitgeist, I guess, so to say, of, of what normal people are going through um, when they wake up and how they're running their day. But I still see it, I, it like in some of my older relationships about how work really drives their life or fear drives their life or tapping into what's going on politically right now is important. Like, I just hope that people can listen to that advice you said about going forward as if and really take that to heart because I think we all have our own as if and we're all a little bit, even I am a little bit scared to fully go for it. But I think like that is where such an enriching life will come from. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, that's really profound that whole notion and, and how everything's played out for you and on your journey and, and how alive you feel, you know, with taking this approach. But yeah, it, it takes faith and it takes a willingness to, to struggle. I think struggling for the right reasons. You know, Mark Manson writes about that in The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, you know, um, and talks about, you know, choosing our struggles, picking our struggles and finding things that we want to struggle for. And then, you know, from there, you know, redefining what struggle means. And I think that we can do that too, is like find joy and find joy in the struggle. I think there's a big myth in our life about getting to a point where we won't be scared or we won't have fears or that things will be perfect. And, you know, there's the old saying that, you know, perfect is the enemy of good. And this program, this societal program, I think keeps people from pushing forward because they're trying to attain something that, that is unattainable. And, and just being okay with the journey and okay with the struggle and enjoying the struggle and knowing that fear and being scared is part of this, but pushing through that. And yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, this makes you think of the title of your book, Worth the Fight. How'd you come up with that title? There's an artist book right here. Worth the Fight. I love all the little hearts in the, oh, in the fist. The love fist, yeah. It's a cool juxtaposition of like a powerful fist with hearts. Oh, totally, totally. The picture says a thousand words. And uh, there's an artist named Broods that I have a work to fight playlist right at the end on the last page. I titled all of the chapter titles and chapter breaks of the book with relevant, pertinent, inspiring songs from artists that have inspired this creative project and inspired my heart and inspired me to do this work. And there was an artist named Roots that has a song worth the fight that just hits me right square in the heart. And it's like, oh, I'm going to name my book that, you know, and it really, really resonated big time. You know, I've been asked, oh, man, you know, thought you believe in peace and what's this fighting, you know, worth the fight. It's about the fight with ourselves. It's about the getting up every day and looking ourselves in the mirror and being okay with what we see and pushing forward and approaching adversity with a smile and being able to deal with all that's thrown our way. And, you know, I think that taking that approach, I've taken that approach towards, towards my journey and hopefully the scales, you know, for my readers and for people that, to adopt that similar spirit of believing that we're worthy of the fight, that we're worth it. 
and we're worth love. We're worthy of the love that we see. We're worthy of the connection that we see. We're worthy of living the, the best lives or the best possible versions of ourselves. And I think we have to have that outlook in this world that we live in today. And if we don't, we get steamrolled by all the data and all the information and all these messages that are telling us, you know, things contrary to that, that are trying to, you know, pull our attention away and trying to distract us and trying to disconnect us. And yeah. Yeah, I really admire that you were so courageous in this role you're in. You're, you're leading the fight with your own self as an example. And then you're also trying to lead this whole fight on like making this a more accessible solution for veterans have deep sexual trauma. There's so many layers of fight that you have going on, but you're doing it in like such a courageous way. You're all in. You're moving forward every day like with urgency, yet patience. Like I look up to people that do that. And I think that we all kind of look up to people like that. And we want to see ourselves doing that. And then we're a little bit scared to go all in and do that. And we end up half-heartedly doing lots of things in our life. I just hope that people listen to this episode and connect, even though your story is probably very different than theirs, I hope that they can connect with that, um, those overlaps of how you live your life and move forward every day. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any other advice that you would like to give on purpose before we start to wrap things up? On purpose? You know, I think that it's important. I always recommend to people that, and David Goggins, he wrote a book called Can't Hurt Me. I thought it was one of the most incredible inspirational books that I've ever. This guy, David Goggins, is incredible. People need to listen to all of his speeches. He is so powerful. So powerful. You know, and he talks about the accountability mirror. And it's something that I did on my travel journey daily. You know, um, I would look myself in the mirror and, and ask, put out to the universe, how can I best be of service? How can I best be? I must have asked myself that question over the course of 18 months, 10,000 times. I don't know, a lot. And there's, you know, a quote in the Bible, ask and, or knock and the door will open or ask and you shall receive. And, and yeah, you know, things happen when the time's right. And I remember when it really hit me and I'm rolling around and I'm at an Airbnb, I'm on the floor doing yoga poses and rolling around trying to deny what this impulse and this clarity and this knowing that this is exactly what I'm here to do uh, without a doubt in my mind. And yeah, I think that all 7 billion of us have a dharma, have a purpose or a calling, and it's our job to figure out what the heck that is and to find it and to fully commit to it. And yeah, it's my hope and prayer that my book and my story told in this manner is a guidebook for just that, for people finding their truth and you know, this book is, um, I take a strong stance against dogma. And I think that, that everybody has to figure out their own way and, and what works for them. And, um, and ultimately, there's not a better time to find that and to heal and get right and ultimately be the best versions of ourselves. There's so much opportunity right now. Right. And then on top of that, you wrote this book and you said, what did you say? All proceeds go to an organization? Yeah, I'm donating fully all of the proceeds of Worth the Fight to um, veteran organizations. Uh, the Heroic Hearts Project is doing incredible work healing the hearts and minds of our war veterans. And it's an organization that's being led by Jesse Gold, a former Army Ranger, Cornell educated. Jesse's super sharp. You know, he's fully in touch with the sacred duty and the responsibility that the veteran cause has to lead, not only for the vets that are struggling and in a mental health crisis, but for our American populace that is also struggling with immensely with behavioral and emotional challenges. And you know, this is work that I believe in. This is medicine that I believe in. 
And, you know, it's my hope and prayer that you keep sharing this and keep putting this out and that we can find the support so we can ultimately start scaling in these projects and start getting these uh, therapeutic healing retreat weekends for our war veterans where they can go and, you know, take two weeks to go down to Peru or go down to Costa Rica or, or Florida. There's retreats in Florida at SoulQuest uh, Church of Mother Ayahuasca where our, our veterans go and they have these two or three profound healing ceremonies and then they come back home and, you know, they're crying the tears and they're, they're purging their trauma and they're having these really challenging conversations that I think that we've too long ignored. And, um, and again, I've been beating this drum for a while that if we earnestly seek a peaceful planet uh, beyond well-intentioned platitudes that healing the hearts and minds of our war veterans is an absolute must. They can teach us all that we're ignoring as a collective and, you know, there's a Thich Nhat Hanh quote that is quite profound, and I'm probably going to butcher here. I should know by heart by now. But it goes something to this, that the veterans are the light at the tip of the candle. And that if they can achieve awareness and find peace and well-being, that they can teach us the realities and the, the horrors of war. So hopefully one day we won't have conflict anymore. And uh, we all know that, you know, our war veterans, when they raise their hand, we all shut up and we listen. You know, it's like these dudes have been through shit and they have lessons and there's a respect element. And, you know, this mission is something that hits all of us in the heart. No one can hide from. And it's a love-based solution. And um, all of our veterans, they know leadership and they know discipline. So they just need help with the trauma. It's my hope and prayer that sharing this work and sharing my story, we can raise money for our vets to heal and get right and get back into playing their service roles that they are. They're just incredible people and too many to even count, you know, that I've come across on my journey, you know, Ryan, Cam, Dan, Jimmy, Kane, Chris, these guys are, are top-notch guys and they just needed help with their war trauma. And after they've worked through their trauma, they have this strong willingness and propensity to give back and to share with others. And, you know, I think that's what we need. And certainly, you know, in the psychedelic community, that get shit done spirit that the warriors have, that our, our soldiers have, I think is an invaluable impression and spirit that we all can learn from. Because I think that there's something special about that motivated, you know, hey, we're going to address these problems and take these things, you know, head on. Totally, yeah. And it's just, I want to really underscore like how unbelievable this is that you, you spent 18 months of your life or something along those lines writing a book and putting your phone in airplane mode for 18 hours a day and trying to like not even have to start and then for then it starts and then you're on to a groove and now you have this whole new reality and on top of that you're not even taking any proceeds from the work that you made that is a huge sacrifice of your time your resources your energy how do you frame that in your mind that makes other people not see that as like a detriment to their life but actually like i really really want to do like like matt just did mm. You know, first of all, thank you. Thank you for those words. It really, really, you know, and reflecting that back and that puts it into perspective, indeed, really what this last, you know, couple years has been. And to me, this is all about love and, you know, walking the talk. And when it comes to everybody else, we're all on our own journey and we're all on our own path and we do the best that we can. And, you know, I'm not saying to people to go out and follow my lead, and but perhaps my story and perhaps, you know, the things that you just said will inspire people, you know, to find their truth and to find their way to be of service and their way to share and to give back. And that's all that I can really only hope for. And we all know what that is. And we all know the way that we can do that. But that's the way I think that we turn this thing around. 
and for me to serve as you know the model. And I'm just keeping an eye on all of the people that are doing incredible work in our world that are motivating me and inspiring me. So I'm just kind of following the lead of my heroes, you know, and I've been fortunate enough to come across this work and just to find this angle where I can be of service. And again, I've found a, a deep therapeutic value with doing this work, you know, and finding meaning and purpose in this work and being part of something that is bigger than myself. And Napoleon Hill, he talks about that a lot. When we get into that service mode of helping someone else, we stop worrying about our own. You know, it's like, I still have my problems and my issues, but I don't spend time thinking about those things. A lot of the time that we'd spend is just nonsense anyways. And, you know, so this is a good way to just find peace and well-being, you know, through service by helping others and committing to, to helping others and finding a way to get involved. And we can leave some links here to the Heroic Hearts Project. So we'd love to uh, have people check out this work and check out this mission. And certainly I'd love the support for people. This is my first book and um, getting incredible reviews and, you know, really excited to get this message of hope and healing out to our world. And, you know, I'd love to share that video as well. You know, this is real and our war veterans are dying. They're dropping like flies of suicide when there's medicines that work. And now's the time, you know, and, and when it comes to these kind of questionable waters, is, I always remind people, we are the people, you know, and we're the people that have to get this work done. And uh, this is the generation that is going to change things. And we have these incredible exponential tools that we've been talking about. And it's go time. You know, we might have a big hole in the roof, too, you know, when we talk about the sense of urgency with our climate crisis. So, wow. Love it. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Very inspiring to me. I'm really happy that I met you in a coffee shop when I was a backpacker in Chicago. <laughs> it's uh, quite the beginnings of a relationship. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. It's been incredible to reconnect with you. And, uh, I love the work that you're doing and, and so excited for you and, and this, um, this big step that's coming up in your life as, as uh, we we're talking about this before our call and about how inspiring it is that you've, you've you know, found love and, and um, you know, are getting married and, and you know, have these travels planned and shifting up your life to arrange your life around this love. And I think in that way, that's a really powerful example that you're showing to an invitation for all of us to follow our hearts. And uh, that's what we need to be doing right now is following our hearts. Mm -hmm. One thing I know for sure with this relationship is um, together, we're going to be able to do incredible things. I'm excited for the day that people of purpose becomes a nonprofit and has a retreat center and has teachers like you and your role models and mentors having your section of the retreat where you're putting people under these really transformational experiences while we had another speaker that's inspiring people while we got another art project going on while we have some of the latest research on purpose being presented like i'm excited for the day that this can become a physical manifestations of community and i know that uh, my soon-to-be wife is going to be really instrumental in helping out with that um, it's going to span borders and cultures and socioeconomic statuses and I'm really excited. I just know that I'm taking the next steps towards that. I can't just snap my fingers and have it happen overnight, but I'm operating as if it's coming. So this is the beginning of something much bigger than it is now. And I know the same is true for your projects. I'm excited to see how we can continue to intersect as we're moving along. Really grateful to get the chance to showcase your voice and your expression of your purpose on my podcast today. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And um, so excited for what lies ahead on your path and your journey and seeing continued success and hearing more about your vision of where 
that you intend on taking this with your partner in crime and the power of having you know someone to walk this path and walk this world with is really 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 powerful and thank you for your your words in in regards to my work and my path and uh, absolutely hope that we continue to, to intersect and cross paths and uh, thank you for you know taking this time and giving me the platform to share my voice and share my purpose and, and share my work and book with you and your audience and super grateful for this opportunity and you know i knew that we would enjoy this catch-up time and this has been uh, a pure delight and i can't believe that an hour and something has already passed you know <laughs> <laughs> totally thank you very much matt yeah thank you brother you're worth the fight oh thank you appreciate that you too so what actionable step are you going to take next do you have a lingering question or something you want help working through do you need support in doing what it's going to take to live your purpose people of purpose is here for you subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our wonderful guests do you have any friends that might enjoy this episode or the podcast bring them on board as a podcast subscriber if you want to actually see the guests behind the voices as well as the purposeful people and communities I'm a part of around the world, follow the podcasting journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast. You can connect with our purpose-seeking community on Facebook at People of Purpose by liking and following our page. Know the minute each new episode is published, hear first about upcoming People of Purpose opportunities, and receive regular tidbits of inspiration and media I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. It's simply a regular dose of goodness, intentionally filtered by me, to nourish your personal path of purpose. For the ultimate engagement, join our intentional group Purpose Seekers from the Facebook page. Join in longer form discussions, link up with accountability partners, and share in opportunities and challenges to better know and grow in your purpose. Send me a direct message on either Facebook or Instagram if you want to talk privately and receive personalized guidance on how to raise your sales and write your ship. Come forth with your biggest dreams and aspirations, and I will do my best to connect you with the necessary resources and mentors from my network to start your trek along your personal path of purpose. Cheers, and here's to becoming 